Rich and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Here's Saban Lee feeding Damian Lee for another three, and he gets it as the game ends. The buzzer sounds, and the final score, T-Wolves win it. 121-116. Yeah, another loss for the Suns. We welcome in you. Welcome you in to Hour 2 of Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Varelis, Steve Zinsmeister, Trevor Henry behind the glass. John Bloom on the call. John Bloom on the call, yes. Here in the Oxygen Community Studios is where we are. That is loss number 23 for the Suns this season. They're 21 and 23. Which is significantly higher than last year's loss total for the record, which you all knew, unfortunately. 21 and 23, they are now a half game behind both the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Utah Jazz. And they are a half game ahead of the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Portland Trailblazers. And the Suns are the 10th seed in the West. So what? I'll tell you what. So what? I'll tell you what. Obviously, the season is not ending today. No. But if it did end today, you would have to beat two teams to get into the postseason. Minnesota, and then whoever comes out of Golden State, Utah. That's issue number one. Issue number two is this Oklahoma City team is on a two-game winning streak, six of their last four, and actually playing really competitive basketball against some really good teams. They just beat the 76ers the other night, for the record. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is absurd right now. So my fear with trends would be that as soon as Oklahoma City wins... And the Suns lose. Their next game is on Monday, so they have some days off before then. Then the Suns are out of the play-in in the standings currently. And I can't imagine that that sets them up well. Granted, there is very few games separating a lot of the top teams. But I can't imagine that that sets them up well for a downhill stretch. Because we're past the halfway point now. And they're now almost out of play-in contention. Yeah, listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you things are bright and shiny and sunshine and rainbows or whatever for the Suns right now. At one point, they had lost six games in a row before they miraculously beat the Warriors. Uh, they had lost nine out of ten games at one point just a couple of days ago. Uh, things are not good, but no. this team is also completely shorthanded. Yep. Uh, there's a reason. I, I can at least give you a tangible reason why the Suns are losing all these basketball games. It's yeah. because they don't have any good players. Currently, currently playing. Absolutely. You have been without Aiton at times. You've been without Paul at times. You've been without Booker for a while. You've been without Cam Johnson for weeks. Campaign was out at the same time as Chris Paul, which means you had nobody to do the ball handling. Uh, you've had Jay Crowder, who hasn't been a part of this team all season long. We've talked about that in nauseam. There's a tangible reason that the Suns are losing basketball games. Yes. I firmly believe once or if those things get resolved... They're a good basketball team again. It doesn't mean it clicks right away. It doesn't mean that you're an NBA champion this season. I'm just saying I believe they're still a good team. They're just without basically all their good players. Here's the other thing. We talked about the Suns being 10th in the West right now mm-hmm. at 21 and 23. Uh, do you know how many games they are out of sixth place? Not many. One. They are one game out of sixth place. One. Mm-hmm. 
They've got the Timberwolves half game up. They've got the Jazz half game up. They've got the Clippers one game up, the Warriors one game up. All you got to do is play one of those teams and beat them, and all of a sudden you flip with them in the standings. My point here is simply that the parity in the Western Conference right now is pretty good. Uh, there's not really anybody running away with things. Sure, the Suns are nine games back of first place in the Nuggets. You're probably not catching the Nuggets. I'll probably just throw that out there right now, especially the way the Nuggets are playing. You might not catch the Grizzlies, who are eight and a half games up on you. But is it totally plausible that you could be right there in the mix with the Mavericks, with the Kings, with the Warriors, who are only one game up on you? Yeah, they're, they're certainly still in playoff contention. Like I said, I don't know about not, championship contention. Like I said, season's not ending today. No. There is very few games separating all these teams. But the problem right now is that all these other teams are able to either make do with what little they've lost or they're able to compete at this high level and maintain steady ground over the Suns. I'm curious about something. How much do you blame James Jones for the way the Suns are right now? Um, for the way they're playing, for the, the way, way the roster, for the way they are. So consider what's missing right now: Devin Booker, who is by far and away the most important player on this team. The Not James Jones' fault. Chris Paul is out. Not James Jones' fault. DeAndre Ayton has been here and there. He just played his first game last night. Will he play again on Monday? I don't know. Not James Jones' fault that DeAndre Ayton has missed games. Cam Johnson meniscus tear two months ago. Reported return date. Target is the 19th of January from a recent Chris Haynes report. Not his fault that Cam is out, but maybe the lack of depth behind him and certainly the Jay Crowder situation. Jay Crowder thinks it's James Jones and the organization's fault. Um, But I personally don't put a ton of it on that. I I think the way that Jay Crowder situation turned out has negatively impacted their depth tremendously. So... I don't blame James Jones. Okay, two more that I bunched together. Campaign, Landry Shamet. There's your depth. The reason that I do blame James Jones around the campaign situation is I think there should have been another potential ball handler on this roster. I think Dwayne Washington Jr. has played pretty admirably in the absence of both Chris Paul and Cam Payne, but in moments, in moments, yeah, there there was a game last week. He had twenty five points off the bench. That's, this is the this is the Dwayne Washington problem. Like if you look too deep into the numbers, or if you look on the base level of the numbers, I should say, you'll see, oh wow, he's providing a lot of scoring. Right. You go in deep. He's getting carried by three pointers when he makes them. He's a volume shooter. His two sure. pointers are not. Not as accurate good. at all. Not as good. And he doesn't provide a lot of ball movement because he's not that type of point guard. That's right. just not how he's played. He's and being how asked he does to play. run this Suns offense because not only are Paul and Payne both out, but you also got Devin Booker out, who on occasion I'm okay with being point book. Even Shamit's out. Like Shamit has some bring up the ball ability, ball handling ability. He, I think of him kind of like I think of uh, of Devin Booker, though. Like, you wouldn't ask it's him to do that. It's a big stretch for him to be a one. Right. He's a two. Right. He's a two. But, I mean, same deal with a lot of the rest of the guys on this roster. The whole argument that we've had this whole time that James Jones has been GM is he's never gotten a true second point guard yeah. behind Chris Paul, right? Well, I like campaign. Always, well, Campaign is an exception because I think they've tailored him the way they want him to be on this team. Sure. But when they acquired him, he was a combo guard. Mm -hmm. He was a shooter more so, not so much of a ball handler, not so much of a distributor. But now, in the years past, he's very much the backup point guard. I think he's learned a lot from The reason where I fault James Jones is because if you think back to the summer, got the Jay Crowder whole situation. They obviously spent a lot of their time trying to get Kevin Durant. 
which might have taken up most of the time in trying to get free agents. But outside of a nice surprise from Damian Lee and how good of a shooter he has been for this team, they made four fringe moves this offseason. They didn't do anything to really supplement the roster in a good way. Jock they just Landale, went on the fringe. Josh Akogi. And Dwayne Washington Jr. Dwayne Washington Jr. Again, Damian Lee's been the nice surprise, but it's a one-year, $5 million deal. They didn't expect this from him. Brought back Biombo, I think, was a move. Who's like... Gets minutes here and there yeah, behind Landon at all. Dario Saric is back from injury, but he doesn't look like the same Dario yet. I do agree with you that I think some of the time that was spent on trying to acquire Kevin Durant could have been, if that wasn't a thing at all, they probably could have turned their attention to deepening the bench. At a time when you kind of knew some of those role players from the playoffs. I mean, you look back to that Dallas Mavericks series in the playoffs. I could have told you that Jay Crowder's role was going to be lessened that campaign's role was going to be lessened, that Shamit's role was going to be lessened. So who gets some of those minutes and or opportunity? It has to be somebody, right? And you weren't going to put more on the starters. So I, I agree with you. you. You probably can find a way to blame the front office for the lack of depth at this point in the season. But again, just the way they put together the depth, they've got that's all. five or six guys who are in their regular rotation who are injured all at the same time. Well, that that's the caveat. And I can't blame James Jones for that. That's the caveat, is they're probably the only team in the league right now, I can't think of any others off the top of my head, that are missing five of their top six rotation guys. Right. It's very hard to play basketball that way. And if you want to think about it this way, uh, while none of us expected, with all the time they've missed due to injuries, none of us expect the Suns to be in the top three or four in the in the West right now the way this roster is right now. But at the same time, if you want to look at it this way, they're one game out of sixth place. As bad as they've been, as bad as their depth may be right now, one game out of sixth place. Now, could they catch fire? Sure. Sure. 100%. Absolutely they but could. But they need the reinforcements to be able to catch the fire that they are severely lacking right now. Like, here's where I worry. I get it. He's coming back from an ankle injury, but he also kind of becomes a default first option. DeAndre Ayton was 5 of 18 on the floor last night. At 1.3 of 11. That's not good. And, like, those aren't, like, range shots. Those are his little turnaround jumpers, his little hooks. Like, he's not making the easy stuff. Again, one game back, ankle injury. I get it. No, but he was doing that before the ankle injury. to make those shots. He was doing that before the ankle because there was a game last week against the Cavaliers where he had a decent night, but not as good as you would have hoped, considering who he was having to fill the shoes of. I'm looking it up right now. But he basically, here's his game against the Cavs, the second time that they played the Cavs. Aiton, 14 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists. Decent game, not the best. Here's the thing, though. Jared Allen, who played against them that night, had a similar line, 13, 12, and 5. The difference is, Jared Allen was 6 of 7 from the floor, DeAndre Ayton was 6 of 16 from the floor. You see what I'm saying? It, mm-hmm. It's going along with your point, is that while DeAndre Ayton's stat line looks fine in the end, you look at that field goal percentage and it's not good. It's an inefficiency problem. And you know what else I wonder? I wonder if the Suns were incorrect to even attempt to bring him back. Because, yeah, maybe they saw him as a nice compliment for Chris Paul and Devin Booker, but maybe that's just not Ayton's game. Maybe Aiton's game is to be your traditional post-up, your pick-and-roll guy, and then he's just there at the bottom and he's ready for an easy layup. Maybe the way that they're using Aiton is completely incorrect in how the 
maximize his potential. And this is the big fear, is if you let him go and he goes and gets good somewhere else, you're really, really going to regret it and feel sick to your stomach. I think situation was the biggest issue with the Suns offseason. I think situation ran everything. With DeAndre Ayton and that whole situation was the consequences were uh, you didn't have a plan going in. One thing might happen. Another thing might happen. We were waiting to see if he was going to sign an offer sheet. He ends up signing an offer sheet. That situation caused them to react in a certain way. Kevin Durant. They didn't come in with a plan necessarily. They just played it out. Let's see what happens. Does he get fed up with Brooklyn? He does. He asks to go to Phoenix. What are what can we trade for him? What can't we trade for him? The situation dictated what they did this past offseason. Instead of going in with a plan and saying, we're going to acquire this, this, and this, and we're going to find that on the free agent market, maybe we make a trade, here's our team. Instead of doing that, they let the situation dictate everything. Coming up next, there are now four Known coaching candidates for the Arizona Cardinals. Who are they? And who do we like the best? That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Barrelvis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I think I have a good comp for one of the coaches that is currently in the interview process. Well, he can't interview yet, but he, we know he's going to interview with the Cardinals. It's Sean Payton. Yes. Everybody's talking about Sean Payton. He won the Super Bowl back like 13 years ago with the Saints. He was coach of the year in 2006. Uh, you're going to have to trade for Sean Payton is the thing. Correct. I don't know what that cost is. That's up to the Saints. That's up to the Cardinals to negotiate that if and when they decide he's the next head coach. There's one thing that we do kind of know. It's not confirmed. Okay, what is it? The assumption is a first-round pick. A first-round pick. And if not this year's first-round pick, then a future. Well, I'm here to tell you if it's this year's first-round pick, you're making a mistake. Well, Giving okay. up a number three uh, pick for a coach is all not three the, right of the All do. three of the teams. Well, I guess the Broncos could be the exception, but Texans aren't parting with the second overall pick to get Sean Payton. They need no, a quarterback. No. Cardinals aren't parting with the number three overall pick because it. that's no. a wild card right now, right? Yeah. The Broncos, they have the Niners' first-round pick that they got from the Dolphins in the Bradley Chubb trade. You can kind of get away with giving that one up if it means getting the right head coach. And if you're the Saints and you're getting a future first-round pick from one of these teams, you have to consider how good do we think that team will be with Sean Payton a year from now. Right. So that's that's another factor. Here's the thing, though. I'm running back through all of the coaches that were traded in So NFL like the history. Gruden, the Parcells. You got a couple of them. Okay. Um, first of all, five decades ago, Don Shula was traded. Don Shula had already won championships, NFL championships is what they were called. Mm. Uh, so Don Shula getting traded five decades ago for one first round pick. I don't want to say that's an easy comp because that was 50 years ago. (laughs) The value of trades is certainly much different, but some of these are from a long time ago. Yes. By the way, did you know Herm Edwards was traded from the Jets to the Chiefs? Fourth round pick. Hmm. Uh, Bill Belichick was traded. They got a first, a fourth, and a seventh, but they also gave up a fifth and a seventh, so let's just negate those. Basically, a first-round pick. Was that the Jets and the Pats, or was that the Browns and the Jets? Uh, Jets, Pats, I think it was. Okay. Gruden, you mentioned. Gruden, they got a haul. They also ended up winning the Super Bowl, so it worked out. Two firsts. Yeah, they won it the first year. Huge slap in the face. And a and got the coach from the team that they ended up beating in the Super Bowl. So, yes, huge slap in the face. Two firsts 
And I read two seconds. I also read one second. So there's a little bit of a discrepancy there I'm not sure about. But they got a haul for Gruden. Then there's also uh, Bill Parcells, first, second, third, and fourth. And then Bruce Arians, a seventh. That one's a little different. He had kind From of the retired. To the Cardinal, or no, the Cardinals to the Bucks. yes. To the Bucks. yes. Here's the one that I think is probably the best comp and maybe the one that the Cardinals should consider using when trying to acquire Sean Payton, if they want to acquire Sean Payton. Okay. Mike Holmgren. From the Green Bay Packers to the Seahawks. Second round pick. Oof. Well, okay. Mike Hol- here's why here's why it works. Mike Holmgren had won a Super Bowl. Yep. Much, much more recently than Sean Payton's. Yes. Mike Holmgren won a Super Bowl, then had a double digit win season, then got traded for a second round pick. In that order. Also was the quarterback guru for Mark Brunel, Kurt Warner, Matt Hasselbeck. Even Brett Favre. He's even a comparable coach to Sean Payton in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I think that that's probably what you aim for if you're the Cardinals. Hey, we'll, we'll give you a second round pick. Well, so here's but the, the Saints ad- might want a first. Here's the advantage that the Cardinals have. Their second round pick is the 32nd overall pick. Because the Dolphins had this forfeit their first rounder this year. So there's only 29 right. first round picks, which means that the Bears number one overall pick. Wait, is- what happened to the other two teams? Aren't there 32 teams in the league? Sorry. Yeah. The Bears pick is 32, 33. So it's the 34th overall pick. Okay. My bad. Gotcha. I gotcha. did math incorrect. No, I got you. Can you get away with giving up the 34th overall pick as opposed to the third? Absolutely. I don't much see, better. I don't see why it would be an issue because the only team that would also give up their first is Denver. And that's pretty darn close to where San Francisco's pick is going to end up being, being when this is all said and done. I Yeah, I agree with you. And maybe there's a package there. I mean, maybe instead of just the second rounder, maybe it's a second and some late round stuff. Or, you know, you throw Swats. together a couple picks. Yeah, I, I I don't know what it ends up looking like. But the precedent in trading for a coach is typically a first round pick is involved. Typically. But I'm telling you, Mike Holmgren won a Super Bowl, then had a double digit win season, then got traded to the Seahawks. But again, they got a second round pick. Like, here's the caveat is like, what? pick overall was that second rounder that Seattle gave up. Because I have to imagine if Seattle is trading for a Super Bowl champion head coach, they couldn't have possibly been a great football team. I don't know the answer to that. Okay. I know they were, I think it was 9-7 and seven the season after they acquired But like, this is also why the comp works for the Cardinals. Is the Cardinals could easily give up number 34. Yeah. Right? I would rather do that than three. That's a top 50 player in this draft. I had somebody, I was doing a Cardinals postgame show last weekend, and somebody called in and said, would, you know, would we have to give up the number three pick in order to, I, I hope not. It's not that you, I it, wouldn't. It's not, would you have to give up the third overall pick? It's, you're not giving up the third overall pick for Sean Payton. Thank you. And part of me wants to sit here and say, I'm not giving up anything. I don't want to give up anything for a head coach. I'll go get well, a free head coach on the open market. It'll be cheaper in terms of salary, and I won't have to trade anything. Part of me wants to be that stingy guy, but another part of me realizes that if Sean Payton becomes your head coach, he's probably also your general manager. You other, probably give him personnel. And that might be more appealing to Sean Payton right now because no other team in the league needs a coach and a GM. Yeah, if he goes to the Broncos, you have a GM in the five, five teams need a coach. Two teams need a GM, and only one of them fits in the middle of that Venn diagram. The Cardinals. The Cardinals. But he's not going to go to the Titans to be their GM. No. 
They have Mike Vrabel as head coach. Sean Payton doesn't want to be a GM. If he wants to be a coach, he'll be a coach. They've already supposedly said no on the Colts and the Panthers, or the Colts and the Panthers were aware of what they would have to give up, and they said no. Whatever side that is, we don't know. The other reason that I'm comfortable with going the Sean Payton route is because the other three candidates that we know of that have interviews. Yes. Brian Flores, a defensive assistant coach in Pittsburgh, who was the former head coach of the Dolphins, uh, has been, a, I think, a linebackers coach for a long time with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. He's coached in five Super Bowls. He's a four-time Super Bowl champ. He's got two. Uh, he's had a top 10 defense in 13 of his 15 years with the Patriots. That's incredible. He wasn't the head coach, though. He wasn't even the D.C., so you have to, you have to take that into consideration. Yes. D'Amico Ryans has an interview. Defensive coordinator with the 49ers the last two years. He's coached in a Super Bowl. He's been to two conference championship games as a coach. Top 10 defense in both seasons he was D.C. Then you have Vance Joseph, widely respected within the building for the Cardinals already, defensive coordinator. I'm here to tell you, I'm just reading a statistic. This is not how I feel about Vance Joseph as a person. It's how I feel about him as a coach. Never had a top 10 scoring defense. Nope. As a coordinator... As a head coach in Denver, never had a top 10 scoring defense. And you would kind of like him to be in the top if you're going to consider him to be a head coach again, right? Unless he blows you away as a gentleman. Unless he blows you away with his plan. Unless he owns the room in the interview or from what you've seen as him being your DC the last four seasons. The other thing, though, too, is, and I heard this all day from Ron Wolfley uh, the day that Cliff Kingsbury was let go. All day I was hearing about how the next head coach has to be the guy in the room who can deal with Kyler Murray. Not just on a personal level, but fixing Kyler Murray from a football perspective. Be the guy that can evolve Kyler Murray into whatever comes next. Correct. Whatever's elevating him. That needs to be your head coach. I'm look, at, look at the four guys I just read you on that list. Only one of them is an offensive mind. Sean Payton. But I think like we discussed, we don't need the offensive mind. It helps. Is I think, you, priority, need the, I think you need the offensive mind. You need to elevate Kyler Murray. Whether that's with a head coach like Peyton, or if it's if you hire Flores, Ryans, or Joseph, you need to now go find an offensive coordinator as well. You just added a whole other position that you have to add. I think that Sean Peyton solves more than just your head coach GM problem. He solves your offensive coordinator problem, too. Mm-hmm. And that's something you have to consider. He's going to cost you more in a trade like we talked about. But still... It might be worth it if you're elevating Kyler Murray in the long run. You want to talk about more trades? I mean, I always love talking about trades. Involving the Cardinals? Ooh, there's another trade out there? Involving a uh, veteran wide receiver? Oh, I think I know where you're getting at. Well, I'll tell you next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports. Mitch Vareldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Trevor Henry behind the glass. Good bumps today, Trev. Just wanted to give you a shout out there. So I teased going into the previous break, more trades, particularly for the Cardinals, and with a veteran receiver in mind. Unfortunately, this is not an additive trade. This is a subtractive trade. DeAndre Hopkins. Got to do something. Is it time for him to go in a trade? Well, okay, so you look at this from two different perspectives. One is contractually and the money. Yep. 
and and what you're getting in return. And then the other one is from a football perspective. What does your wide receiver room look like without DeAndre Hopkins? Mm -hmm. You just traded a first-round pick for Marquise Hollywood-Brown last season. I assume they would like to keep Hollywood-Brown. Well, so this is this is the catch, or this will be what makes this very interesting. Does the new GM want Hollywood Brown? Steve Kime a did. Great question. Who's running the Cardinals? <laughs> we don't even know that well, yet. So okay. how can we possibly know how they feel about the individual? So I players? guess there was a report out there that Michael Bidwell is letting it be known to candidates of the GM job that trading DeAndre Hopkins should be at the top of their list or will be something they need to execute before the season starts. He's far and away the most expensive player on the team. He's going to get 30 next year at the cap hit of 30 million. Yeah. Which is almost double the next player which is DJ Humphreys. Oof. DJ Humphreys is 18 million. Well, this is the question though. How much do you value your second, I guess, most expensive player? Do you value him more than a guy that you're eventually going to have to pay based on the way the previous regime set things up, set things in motion? So would trading DeAndre Hopkins be better for you than keeping Hopkins, probably losing him two years from now, maybe not paying Hollywood Brown after this season and losing him too? So that's the hard part about this, right, is that Hollywood Brown, while he makes $13 million, essentially half of what Hopkins makes, he's a free agent at the end of this coming season. So is Robbie Anderson. So well, that that trade's worked out wonders, by the way. Uh, well, yeah, I'm just throwing names out there. These are the top guys in their room. The only receivers that you have under control past this next season are DeAndre Hopkins, Rondale Moore. Again, hasn't really done much, mm-hmm. and Javon Wims, who I believe has not seen the field. Because is I Antoine don't know who Wesley that is. still under contract? I know he's been hurt. Um, so. Um, Antoine Wesley, it's listed as ERFA. What does that stand for? Some sort of restricted free agency. Something free agent. AJ Green is a free agent now. He might retire. He might not come back to any team after this. Actually, it says AJ Green free agent, but then it also says he's got two voidable years on his contract. So I guess he could be back. But really what you're looking at is the possibility of Marquise Hollywood Brown. If you don't sign him to an extension this offseason then he's a free agent at the end of the year. You might not have anybody. You might not have him, and if you trade Hopkins, you run that risk of not having either of them a year from now. Do you really want to do that? You really want to go down that road? Well, obviously not, but then what's the correct play? Is it to trade Hopkins now because he's probably not going to return? Do you trade Brown? And then, ooh, trade Brown again? I mean, it hasn't been talked about widely, as I've heard, but... Well, what's his value? It's certainly not a a first-round pick. You gave up a first for him. Yeah, but he missed Doesn't a good chunk of games one. this year. I agree with you. And when he came back, he didn't have a starting quarterback, so his production dipped. He's also not- on a one-year deal, so you're probably not going to get as much for him because you don't have as much control. I get that. I'm just saying it's an option if you decided to stick with Hopkins. But I think part look, of the anything's intrig- an option. The reason Bidwell is going around telling people we're, we're trying to get rid of Hopkins is the money. Yeah. It's the money. He makes almost He makes about double to three times as much as Hollywood Brown does. That's a lot of money. That makes this feel kind of ironic, doesn't this? Bidwell will spend what it takes to get the right GM and the right head coach, but the first thing he wants the new GM to do is to cut salary. Well, okay, but hear me out, though. I know they're unrelated. Paydays, they're not unrelated at no, no, all. No, 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 because the money that's being spent on the GM is not cap related. No, no, no. Hopkins no. is cap related. From a cap perspective, you're totally right. Okay. 
from a Michael Bidwell standpoint, you're totally wrong. They're completely related. All that money comes from his pocket, whether it's for the salary cap or for paying his coach or paying his GM or paying an offensive coordinator or paying anybody, paying the janitor. That all comes out of Michael Bidwell's pocket. It's completely related. If he has this super expensive $30 million a year wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins, he says, all right, we got to get rid of that contract because I got to pay two coaches this year. I got to pay two GMs this year or Mm -hmm. however the money works out. Mm -hmm. While they're not related in terms of the cap, you're totally right. At the same time, Michael Bidwell's like, well, if I'm going to pay all these people all this money, I got to save somewhere. If you're going to go buy a steak for dinner tonight, you're like, well, I'm having mac and cheese the next four days, apparently, because I got to, you can't have steak every day. You know what I'm saying? Well, unless you're ambitious. Unless you're gambo, you can have steak as much as you want, but I can't do that, unfortunately. You know what I'm saying, though? Don't worry, neither can I. I just, I just find it kind of, I don't know if it's irony or coincidence, probably irony. That he would spend whatever it takes to get the right GM, and then the first thing he wants his GM to do is to cut salary. Well, and the other thing is, how many weapons are you really willing to part with when you're trying to elevate Kyler Murray? All right, all right. Can we talk about the weapons part of this equation? Sure. What did they have last year? When fully healthy, they would Uh, have had DeAndre Hopkins, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, A.J. Green, Rondale Moore, Antoine Wesley, Zach Ertz, Trey McBride, Max Williams, James Conner. Like, do you want me to keep going? Yeah, but the thing is, none of them were all healthy at the same time. There were very few games this season where I felt like everybody's available. And how many of them are you willing to hold on to for this upcoming season? I would like to hang on to... I I still have some faith in James Conner, and he's under contract for two more years. Uh, I'd like for Hollywood Brown to stick around, but I I do need to see more games out of him. I'm not immediately hearing D-Hop from you. Listen... This is the thing about DeAndre Hopkins. He's far and away the best weapon on the team, offensively. Mm -hmm. Far and away the best. Mm -hmm. There's no doubting that. He's also paid handsomely for it. He's paid three times more than most of these guys. He's paid five times more than James Conner. Five Mm. times more. Mm. Sorry, I'm looking at the right. Five times more than James Conner's next year's contract. This coming year, in 2023, he's making $10 So three times more than James Conner. I mean... I'd love to keep DeAndre Hopkins around, but it's Michael Bidwell's money, not mine. I don't get to make that call. He's not trying to get rid of Hopkins because Hopkins is a bad dude or because he doesn't fit the offense or because he's a bad player. None of that is true, as far as we know. The reason he's trying to get rid of him is because he's got to pay a bunch of money to other people. It's the same thing. It's the same reason the Diamondbacks moved off Paul Goldschmidt. He was a great dude. He was a great player. He's probably the best offensive player that the Diamondbacks have ever had. In fact, he is. He is the best offensive player they've ever had. But you had to move him because you couldn't pay him. There's nothing more than that. Yeah. So, yeah, you probably do have to move Hopkins. I don't know what you get. Picks. Hey, Saints, will you take Hopkins for Sean Payton? Offensive line help, defensive line help. To your point, Sean Payton. Players for players doesn't happen a lot, man. I mean, I know that David Johnson got traded for Hopkins, but that was more about the picks than the players. There was the trade for Chandler Jones. Remember that one? It was uh, Jonathan Cooper. Jonathan Cooper. But it was more about the picks than it was the players. But they also got Chandler Jones. Yeah. Like, 
that was the steal of the century. But that's my point is typically you're not getting a big package of players back for the best player. Because those teams don't want to get burned again. It's the picks you care about. Well, who's going to be offering up those kinds of picks? You know what I think is really coincidental, ironic? I'm just going to keep saying that until my mom texts me the correct version. (laughs) DeAndre Hopkins cost the Cardinals a second rounder, David Johnson, and then they got a fifth rounder back, right? Something like that. It's probably going to be the same type of package, only we're now three years later. Whereas like before, it was like, oh my God, they avoided having to give up a first rounder. Whereas this time around, you might be lucky to get a second rounder. So you get, let's say, a second rounder and maybe a role player. And you have to give up Hopkins and a mid-rounder or a late-rounder. It's possible. It's possible. I just don't like the idea of cutting corners right after you spend money to get a new guy to be the face of this turnaround. But honestly, from Bidwell's perspective, which is all that matters at this point because there's no other management in the building right now, it's not cutting corners. It's not cutting salary necessarily. It's, It's clearing the bottom line. He's got other things he's got to pay for. He made a financial decision to cut Cliff Kingsbury, to get rid of him before the contract extension had really even kicked in fully. I don't I don't know the whole situation with Steve Kime. I don't want to speculate on uh, fired, not fired, told to go, told to stay, whatever. I don't even know what happened there. But they made decisions to pay out guys that they didn't have to pay out. They could have rolled with Kingsbury. It would have been the wrong decision, but they could have if he really cared about the money more than the team. I think Bidwell made the right decision in letting his coach go and paying out that contract. But the consequence of that is that Bidwell has to pay for it financially. Well, it's his own fault. With dollars. It's his own <laughs> fault. He should have never extended them in the first place. That's I, his, I agree. He put himself in this situation. He's got to get himself out of it. Speaking of Cliff, do you hear the latest rumor regarding Cliff Kingsbury? You might yeah. not care. That he doesn't wear socks. But it's kind of interesting. We'll share it with you next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mitch and Steve present Footnotes on Arizona Sports Saturday. This is the portion of the show where we catch you up on stories that we didn't really have a chance to go in depth on. Didn't have a lot to say on, but we knew that you had to hear about these. So we call Footnotes, and we just kind of run through a bunch of stuff that Steve and I have seen. I took the lead today, Steve. Please do. So if you had something, feel free to interrupt me. But I wanted to start with more recent news, I guess, in regards to relevancy to the Cardinals. So Cliff Kingsbury is obviously fired and is reportedly not necessarily interested in coaching again this year. We know Gambo has put it out there. He has zero desire to go back to college. Okay. That makes sense to me. would he stay in the NFL and maybe reunite with his former head coach? Now, let me present the context to that. They absolutely made phone calls on him. Like, I know they've done their research on Cliff, and it's really interesting. So they've made phone calls. The Patriots have made phone calls on Kingsbury, but not on O'Brien. Well, it's more background stuff. So they haven't contacted Kingsbury directly, to my knowledge, but I do know that they've done some homework on him and... Um, I, you know, I, I think Bill does have a level of fascination with what Kingsbury's done. You know, for as much criticism as he got for the way his offensive runs, um, they're as creative. They, the Cardinals were as creative as any team in the league. They, they were very difficult to deal with because they did so many things differently than NFL teams do them. That was Albert Breer on NBC Sports Boston. Patriots not leaving stones unturned when it comes to Cliff Kingsbury as 
offensive coordinator. Here's why it makes a little bit of sense to me. Bill Belichick and the Patriots are, more so than any other team in the NFL, Bill gets his guys to run, whether it's his offense, his defense. I mean, hell, this season he rehired Matt Patricia, didn't have a role for him, so he just gave him offensive coordinator even though he's a defensive coach. That just goes to show you, Bill Belichick, he cares more about having guys he trusts in his positions than even do these people fit the roles I'm giving them, which is why Kingsbury would make some sense. Then the only thing missing would be Tom Brady. Bring the whole gang back together. Oh gosh, wouldn't that be Let's one? Let's run it back. Patriots. Wouldn't that be one hell of a reunion? Like literally. By the way, the Patriots might be the only team in the NFL with worse offense than the Cardinals. So that makes sense. Yeah, that would kind of make sense. Um, other NFL news related to if there was an AFC Championship game specifically between the Bills and the Chiefs. I believe this is the only scenario. Atlanta. Would be the host of that game. Why Remember, th- so there's rules with the resulting cancellation of the Bills-Bengals game. Oh, yeah. It would be played on a neutral site if that were to be a matchup. Same thing, I think, with Bills-Bengals, et cetera, et cetera. So Atlanta has been chosen as that neutral site. What is that one called again? Mercedes-Benz? Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Didn't they just have the college they championship? Did. They had the Peach Bowl. Yeah. That's stupid. They can't have both. Why not? You can't have both. Could you Why imagine not? if the Cardinals stadium got both back-to-back? They well, were like, awesome. college championship followed by AFC championship game. No, it doesn't work like that. You don't get both. Sorry, Atlanta. Just because you said so? Yeah. They shouldn't get to have both. Why not? Because somebody else deserves a turn in the rotation. Okay, but who would you give it to? That's then my follow-up question. Who are you know. going to give... That neutral site, too. Would you give it to Detroit? I don't know who else has been in rotation. So, like, I guess you're talking about Super Bowl cities recently. So, L.A. is out. Houston had a Super Bowl, too, recently, I feel like. Arizona's obviously out. Indianapolis has... I don't know. I feel like it's just too much work, but I wanted to pass that along. Yeah, to see how upset I'm not giving it, it to Atlanta. How about something that will definitely not upset you? And as a matter of fact, might take you back. Do you remember? There's the little kid in the Popeyes restaurant, and it's a very famous gif. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. he's just darting his eyes back and forth with that right. shock look on his face. His name is Dianerst Collin. He is a freshman offensive lineman for Lake Erie College. And he now has a name, image, and likeness deal with Popeyes. It's an offensive lineman, so he's a big boy. Means he's been eating at Popeyes. <laughs> he's been eating it. a lot of Popeyes. He's probably a Southern kid too, right? I I would assume so. You Lake, deal Lake Erie Here. College. That's as Southern as it gets. Where is Lake Erie College? That's I what no, I want to know. I have no idea. By the way, Popeyes best chicken sandwich, fast food. Ooh. You're challenging my Chick-fil-A fanhood. When their new spicy chicken sandwich came out like five years ago, I went and got some and tried them live on the air the day they came out. I'm not kidding. Okay, That so was a bit I did so you're on the pa- radio. Your Popeyes, your Chick-fil-A. Trev, I'm going to bring you in here. Uh, fast food chicken sandwich. Where are you going? Chick-fil-A. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, guys. I'm over here trying to get us a sponsor, okay? <laughs> To me you too. guys just play along for hey, half a second. Am I also not trying by having <laughs> Trevor also bring up Chick-fil-A? Come In on. fairness, I don't discriminate. Yeah. That's See? true. There's no bad chicken sandwich it, it, out there. That, it's very hard to screw up a chicken sandwich. Yeah. 
what else do we have? More NFL news. Um, breathe a sigh of relief or get very, very stressed out, Cardinals fans, because the Rams are not going to have to do this massive overhaul. They're overhauling, but it's not massive. Sean McVay's coming back to be the head coach of the Rams. i got to be honest with you. Sean McVay strikes me as the kind of guy who would not be happy without coaching. He's like also I like know, 37, 38. I, I know he could have gone to Fox or CBS or whatever and made Amazon. just as much money yeah. doing way less stressful work. I get that. But like you said, he's not even 40 yet. I don't think. It's insane. And I just can't see him being happy without coaching on some level. Yeah. Some it's people absurd that's, he's talking about retiring at 37. That makes me feel really bad. Some people, it's just required. Like, this is who I am. This is what I have to do. Yeah. Plus, like, to retire that young, you know, it's it's almost Rob Gronkowski level of retirement. And he's not actually retired. He's still doing things with Vandal. He's doing things with Fox. He's, he's got, what, things. one Super Bowl? He's got several. Does he have a couple Super Bowls? He's the one in Tampa, and he's got a few in New England. No, no, no. At least two or three. No, no, no. I'm talking about McVay. Oh, McVay. No, he's got the one. Yeah, so, Sorry, I thought you were talking about But even just with the one, and you're 37, 38, somewhere in that range, right? Think about how many years he has ahead of him as a head coach in the NFL. And if you've won a Super Bowl already, he could be a head coach for a long time. Look at Mike Tomlin. Look at Sean McVay. They, they, or uh, not Sean McVay, Sean Payton. They won a long time ago. They're still considered coaches in this league. Sean McVay has the opportunity to win multiple Super Bowls over the next couple of decades. To give that up would be a huge waste, in my opinion. I have an update on the Cliff Kingsbury. Oh. Cliff Kingsbury. Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury. So we we have the Fox channel on in here because they've got the football game, the yes. first of the games this I saw Sean today. Payton up there a minute ago. Uh, Peter Schrager was up there as well. Oh. And I saw on the little ticker he was talking about Cliff. Oh. I didn't know what he said until Bo Brack of PHNX was kind enough to transcribe it for us. <laughs> Sorry. Peter Schrager says on Fox, former Arizona Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury bought a one-way ticket to Thailand and is telling any interested teams he's not interested in returning to at the moment. At the moment. I know, but he bought a one-way... That doesn't way, mean he won't coach He bought a one-way ticket to Thailand. That's kind of awesome. <laughs> That's a good problem to have, I guess. That's right? kind of awesome. I wish I had the ability to just say, one-way. I saw the other day. I don't day, know when I'm coming back. On Good Morning Football, I saw a clip. Uh, it's one of the McCordy brothers. Which one's on Good Morning Football these days? I can't remember, to be honest. Uh, J- one Jason. of those. Jason. 50% chance. I think it's. <laughs> and he was talking about Kingsbury, and he goes, Hey, Cliff, we'll go on vacation sometime soon. All right, bud? He just said that right oh. into the camera, and I was like, Damn, to live that kind of lifestyle. <sighs> hey, Mitch, we'll go on vacation sometime soon, all right? Yeah, we won't. We're not going to go on vacation together. And Ian Rappaport just quote tweeted it. And I mean, obviously, Schrager said it. So Schrager, by the way, I just want to say this. I think Schrager's probably my favorite reporter in the NFL. He's got such charisma. He did a segment last Sunday, I think it was, during the, uh, between the games with Sean Payton, explaining the situation that Sean Payton is in, where he's currently a saint under, under contract mm-hmm. and you have to give things up to get him. They had the most open and transparent conversation I've seen about the Sean Payton situation. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. He's great at his job. Schrager gets stuff out of people, and I, I, I really admire that. He deserves everything to 
put it bluntly. All right, a couple more things because we're running out of time here. Uh, the Warriors and the Spurs. Uh, the Warriors beat the Spurs. Why am I bringing up these two teams? They played in the Alamo Dome oh, yeah. last night in San Antonio. How'd that go? Additionally, they set an NBA regular season attendance record, 68,323 ticketed attendance members. Why is the Alamo Dome still a thing? I don't know. The Spurs used to play there. I guess they still put stuff there. It's like old stadiums that are still around. Like, recently I made a trip to Dallas to uh, see the new Texas Rangers stadium. The old one's still there. Still sitting there across the street. What are they doing with it? (laughs) Playing, like, high school football games and stuff in it, I guess. I guess. All right. This one, really quickly, I just saw it and I was like, wow, this is super cool because it's related to Arizona. A local man who became known as Merry Christmas Jay... After he rescued 24 people during the deadly snowstorm in Buffalo last month. Whoa. He was surprised with Super Bowl tickets by Thurman Thomas. Oh, that's cool. Right? That's really cool. Jay Withy has been given two tickets to the Super Bowl next month. I want to be called Merry Christmas Steve. Okay. Does he get called that year round? I don't. That's complicating. I'm sure it just, I'm sure it just caught on. Does it change with the seasons? I don't know. Happy 4th of July, Jay. Last one I want to get in there. Uh, Arizona sports professional teams are 1 and 14 to start 2023. I'm led to believe that's not good. Coyotes, Cardinals, and Suns are 1 and 14. I want to thank you guys for checking out the show this week. For Trevor Henry behind the glass and my buddy Mitch Vareldis, I'm Steve Zinsmeister. You've been listening to Arizona Sports Saturday.